Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I mean, my warning sign for any platform that tries to go head-to-head with the behemoth is, can you break the cycle of habituation? Welcome to episode 41 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I'm your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Microsoft's video game streaming platform, Mixer. On June 22, 2020, Mixer, Microsoft's streaming service, made a stunning announcement. After four years of building out its streaming channel for gamers and its beloved community of streamers and fans, they were shutting down. Mixer partners, streamers, and community, today we've got some very big news for you, the company posted on Twitter. While we decided to close the operations side of Mixer, we're officially partnering with Facebook Gaming and we're cordially inviting all of you to join. And just like that, they called a forfeit. More like an elimination, which meant the startup had no lives left to play. It was gone forever. Across social media, Mixer streamers, fans, and even their own employees expressed their shock as many were blindsided by this news, not realizing the company had been struggling. Many took to their own channels to voice their devastation and tearful (laughs) testimonials. For streamers who had worked so hard over the years to build their audience, this was their only platform, their only source of income. Mixer is ending and I am not okay, one streamer posted. And across the world, others joined together to process the grief. To some, it felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath them. But as the internet flooded with emotions and those on Mixer used their platform one last time to close out their chapter in front of their fans, it begged the question that was on everyone's mind. How could this have happened to Microsoft, one of the most powerful and endemic gaming companies in the world? Welcome to the story of Mixer, streaming live in 2014. Control-Alt-Delete in 2020. I'm going to ask you a question, and your responses will vary depending on what generation you're in. My question is, do you like watching other people play video games? 
Well, if you're anything like my kids, the answer will be a resounding yes. They can sit around for hours, completely captivated, mouth agape, watching along their favorite YouTube gamer, Sunday, as he plays their favorite games, Fortnite, Minecraft, Among Us. And if you're on the other side of the coin like me... We're scratching our heads wondering, wouldn't you rather be playing the game than watching? Well, whether you find it captivating or not, live game streaming, which is where people broadcast themselves playing games in front of a live audience online, isn't a one-off phenomenon. It's the pastime that's gone mainstream, like watching sports. To put things in context, in 2021, 79 million people in the United States watch Major League Baseball versus 84 million people that watched esports. This became a craze in mid-2010 when Twitch, the behemoth of all live streaming platforms, was launched and became the Amazon of live streaming. In fact, Jeff Bezos did acquire Twitch in 2014. Today, millions across the world want to watch other people play video games. In 2021, there was 1.46 trillion minutes of content being watched on Twitch alone, according to Statista. But why do people love watching other people game? The most simple answer is that. It's entertainment. My kids get a kick out of the things that come out of Sunday's mouth, not to mention the way he overlays his game playing with jokes and some over-the-top commentary. But I've also noticed that my kids' gaming skills have improved. It makes sense, right? I mean, Sunday is essentially taking them through their own practice sessions and teaching them how to be better players. The more interesting answer for why people like to watch others play... Well, it's the community that it fosters. That's one of the biggest reasons video game streaming has become so mega popular. For some fans, it's like they've been searching all this time and have finally found the perfect group of friends who all love doing the same things. It's definitely a parasocial relationship, but in terms of social media, it feels like the most social relationship because I'm still writing something in the comments and they're still acknowledging or I'm putting in a donation, I show up on screen and they give me a quick shout out. Like, it feels like I'm part of something bigger than myself. And in the gaming world, that's so important because at me being a lifelong gamer, I can tell you, especially being a lifelong gamer before the days of Xbox Live and online gaming, it can feel like a very lonely pursuit, especially when you're in high school and you're a gamer And the gamers weren't the popular kids, at least when I was in high school, right? Like, it feels like you're finding your tribe. That's Phil Ranta, CEO of Wormhold Labs, a company that has spent the last 15 years as a leader in the online creator revolution. His background includes being at Facebook Gaming, which during his tenure saw a 210% growth in just a year. He's a gamer at his core, so he knows a thing or two about what streamers and their fans truly want. Yeah, Mixer, I feel like, was born of this need for game streaming to become simpler for the game streamer and more joyous for the audience. Before it became Mixer, it was called Beam. Beam was like the noob, the newcomer on the scene. The game streaming platform was founded by Matthew Salsamendi and James Bowen back in 2014. 
Salsamendi was 16 and Boehm was 18. Amazing, isn't it? At a time when they launched their product, it really differentiated itself as having incredibly low latency, which is the time lag during gaming and during streaming, meaning sometimes there's a slight delay between when viewers interact with a streamer. It's a real pain point in the industry, and these kids sought to reduce that as one of the more compelling features that they were offering. Now, not many people knew about it until seven months later when Microsoft acquired it and really put the service on the map. The young startup was brought into the fold of the Xbox family. And for those that don't know, Microsoft owns Xbox. And a year later, they re-entered the world with a new name. To truly understand Mixer, we need to talk about Twitch because it was and continues to be such a dominant force in the world of video game streaming and the Goliath that Mixer was trying to take down. Um, anybody that's used Twitch in the past knows that it's, it's a platform made for computer and video game experts. They don't handhold anything. In fact, streaming software has to be figured out by diving through web forums and the extensions are complicated and how you engage in chat is complicated and how you do about sections are complicated. And it felt like when Mixer came out, everything was bright and colorful and easy and all of the features were simple to use and the latency was super low and you'd have incentivized viewing. So viewers felt like they were getting something just by watching and Xbox streaming was super easy. Mixer was addressing some of the inconveniences within the user realm and providing a better experience. And if anyone could do it, why wouldn't it be Microsoft? After all, owning Xbox gave them an advantage. I think what made Mixer most interesting is it was a beautiful experience. <laughs> the, the bright, colorful graphics, it, it felt like a completed product. Like in a way it felt like uh, a game streaming platform that Steve Jobs would have developed in his heyday of product design. Everything was just super nice and colorful. And Twitch is just very kind of dark and bleak. And it's just, I, like, I love Twitch. I don't want to make it sound like I don't love Twitch. Just Mixer felt like it was serving a very different need, which is people who uh, want to feel like they're being taken care of through every part of the experience. Initially, the platform was mind-blowing. It wasn't just that it was a beautiful experience. It seemed to be doing things that Twitch wasn't. I feel like from day one I checked out on Mixer, they're like, hey, do you hate that when you write a comment, the streamer doesn't see it until 30 seconds afterwards because latency is terrible? Bam, we fixed that. We're immediate. The second that you write something, the streamer sees it and the latency is super low. I was like, okay, that's really cool. Bam, co-streaming is easier. You're able to have three other streamers in a split screen, and it's super, super easy to do. Bam, you're able to uh, invite viewers to stream with you. Like, it just felt like drumbeat after drumbeat. They were just announcing killer, killer features. And they, a lot of those features existed on Twitch, too, but they had to run through extensions, or they were a little bit more complicated. They had to be hacked together through OBS. So it just felt like Mixer was had super this ability to put their finger on the pulse of what people really needed and then deliver that in a really elegant way. 
Now, what makes Mixer more compelling for users is what also made it more attractive to streamers too. And to pair these two groups together, Mixer built a system that gave new streamers, especially the early adopters, the chance to really break through and be the big fish in a small pond. If you were the top streamer in terms of concurrence in a game, people would find you by clicking on the game, then you'd be in the top left box and it would work its way down to zero. So if you weren't able to be in that top box right away, if Ninja was already there and you were on Fortnite, it was really hard to break through. Almost impossible unless you're already famous on another platform. Mixer allowed you that chance to possibly pop a little bit more, a little bit faster because there was just less competition. So I think the people who were on there were smart to do it. But the biggest thing about Mixer was when they made a huge move to acquire more users. They took the biggest streamers of the world and recruited them onto their platform in these exclusivity deals, sending shockwaves around the gaming world. In August of 2019, Mixer lured perhaps the most successful talent in the gaming space, Tyler Blevins, also known as Ninja. Ninja was the first esports player to grace the covers of ESPN magazine, so he's a big deal. And in an astounding move to level up and break ground, the gaming world braced themselves after hearing that Microsoft signed a $30 million deal with Ninja to bring his fan base of 50 million viewers from Twitch over to the Mixer platform. Microsoft also recruited other major players, including Canadian gamer Shroud, for a whopping $10 million. I'd say a lot of the talent they were attracting were people who realized how special this platform could be. Um, they were willing to take a little bit of a hit on audience because they believed in the product. Um, you know, until Ninja got brought over there, I would say there wasn't a lot of let's say, explosive talent. Like, there'd be a big Minecrafter that would be able to get 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 concurrence. Every once in a while, they'd have somebody pop on an individual stream. But it wasn't like, I mean, at that time, the top of Twitch was like twenty or 30,000 concurrence. It was very rare to see that. Even when Ninja launched, he was able to see that, like the first few days on Mixer. Whether or not there was a lot of paid boosting behind that, question marks abound, but it felt like there probably was. Because then he started leveling up like 5,000, 6,000 concurrence. That's about right for the top of Mixer. But the people who were there were really talented and really great. And I think that they wanted to be the top of a platform like Mixer instead of having to grind their way up through Twitch. And it worked. Because five days of streaming on Mixer, Ninja had scored them a million active subscribers on the platform. Like its other successes in the gaming world, it seemed like Microsoft had launched another win. But never would they have imagined that they were about to get pawned. In the first two weeks of October 2019, both of the original co-founders stepped down, citing interest in pursuing other ventures. They were, after all, just entering their 20s. The industry saw their departures to come at a time of transformational change within Microsoft's gaming division. Their executive, Mike Ybarra, was leaving Xbox after 20 years with the company, and the loss of the CEOs may have confirmed suspicions that Mixer hadn't yet become a real match for Twitch 
and was still very much trailing behind. Though Mixer had come out swinging with a killer concept, two teen co-founders with a solution to fix some of the industry's biggest problems, it turned out that this crazy trajectory fizzled quite rapidly too. Despite all of the right elements, the financial backing, the Microsoft name, the top-tier streamers with huge fan bases, and features that were undeniably better, Mixer couldn't seem to grasp or retain the attention of its viewership. My warning sign for any platform that tries to go head-to-head with the behemoth is, can you break the cycle of habituation? Every gamer in the world that understood game streaming, game streaming careers, they were aspirational streamers or they were viewers, were so used to typing in twitch.tv or opening the Twitch app that it's really hard to peel them away. It's the same reason why I'm so bullish on YouTube, even though I think there's been some other video platforms that have had a better point of view that have come out in the past 15 years, is when people talk about web video, they say, let me YouTube that, right? Like the habituation is so deeply built in that it's not enough to be a better platform. You need to break people out of their zombie-like state of going to that platform as the default. And that's really, really, really hard to do. To put it in numbers, an analytics company found that Mixer had been downloaded 21 million times globally. That's an impressive number. But Twitch had been installed over 188 million times. How could Mixer overtake an opponent at that level? Therefore, not being able to convert, win over its audience, and add in new subscribers, coupled in with the lack of momentum and growth, was preventing profit at a time when the company was trying to make up for the startup costs. On top of that, hemorrhaging money they paid out in talent acquisition contracts. So I think that the only reason, the only way they would have been able to do it is if they were able to bring over so many people from Twitch that there was just an avalanche of creators moving over with their audience, that there was a tipping point where audiences went, well, not just one or two or five or ten of my favorite streamers are over there, but all of my favorites, all 30 of my favorite streamers are there. So now Mixer is going to be my new default. And that's really hard. That would have taken Microsoft spending billions of dollars on contracts. And I just never saw that happening. So what I was really waiting for was for their feature set to get so good that it was an undeniable place for a new streamer to start their career. And I feel like they never quite got there because the level of audience never quite got there. Mixer failed at being able to attract enough viewers and drawing them away from platforms that they were already fully engaged and loyal to. And the people who were bigger on Twitch, who were doing well, I feel like were able to win a lot of people over to the Mixer side. And I feel like they were growing a lot of of fans. They just weren't able to do it fast enough, clearly. As Mixer approached its final days, it became even more apparent that the startup hadn't gotten off the ground quickly enough to beat the big boss Twitch. It wasn't that they had a bad product or idea. They simply couldn't get enough market share because they weren't able to create a radically different experience than what people were getting on Twitch. It finally looked like the software titan would be looking at its final cooldown period. 
even though the industry could see that Mixer was no match for its massively bigger competitors, I don't think many users really expected that the company would be aborting its mission so soon, saying good game, GG, for the final time. On June 22, 2020, employees, streamers, and fans were shocked by a Twitter announcement that Mixer would be going dark within a month. I think a lot of industry insiders, the second they saw Ninja's numbers drop so precipitously in week two of his Mixer partnership, we knew that there was only one end for this platform. I was really bummed because I like to see competition out in the market and I thought Mixer was doing some beautiful things. I was rooting for them and by that time I had already left my position as head of gaming creators for Facebook Gaming North America so I didn't have as much of a uh, horse in the race um, but personally I thought that Mixer was the best experience out there so seeing him shut down it bummed me out a little bit because I felt like it wasn't going to force the other platforms to do better. So what were the lessons here? I think the, the A number one biggest lesson is unless you have a really strong point of view on why both viewers and streamers were going to choose you over Twitch that's defensible, you should probably wait to make that play until you really know what to do. But only because it's so massive, right? I, I'm not saying that it's anti-competitive or nobody should ever try to launch a competitor unless they think they can win. But they also probably should have seen the writing on the wall. Because essentially they were still asking game viewers to, hey, go over to my platform because the colors are better and there's lower latency. But they're still asking game streaming fans to go watch somebody game stream. The core experience is still kind of the same. And that's just a really hard thing to ask people to do. It's really hard to win that audience. If I know anything about gamers, they're loyal to their community. They go where the gamers are. Gamers can't be bought and they can't be marketed to. They're driving their own experience and seeking something authentic. It doesn't matter how big of a company you are or how much money you have, you simply can't create hacks with them. You can't build it and think they will come. In this case, just having better features to compete with the industry's biggest wasn't enough. And as a challenger, you need more. You need to lean in. And Mixer couldn't scale its user base. It couldn't scale its operations. It had failed to be daring enough to create a new, authentic experience for consumers. For a lot of gamers, the loss left behind a void. Those frustrations with Mixer's competitors, well, they're still there despite its ultimate failure. Mixer was truly a beautiful experience and to some, a superior experience point by point. We know that flops can become cult classics when their genius is finally recognized. And maybe we'll look back at Mixer with the same disbelief. How could something so good have failed so hard? I still don't feel like watching game streams or game streaming is a good experience. And as a lifelong gamer, that really hurts me deeply to my core. And I want everyone to be better. And I thought Mixer was going to help us get there. Special thanks to Phil Ranta for his contributions to this episode and sharing his story on the disruptive game streaming platform, Mixer. And thank you for tuning in to this week's The Great Fail, 
please make sure to visit our website at thegreatfail.com for behind the scene audio and video footage. If you like these episodes and want us to continue bringing you more, please subscribe to our newsletter because, well, not connecting with you would be our great fail. While you're at it, simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of them would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Lastly, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Great Fail Pod. And please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes to show your support. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And remember, folks, with great failure comes great liability.